Welcome, everyone, to the Kathy Lee Parker Show, the number one place for enlightened and entertaining guests, positive vibes, and information that is spot on. And now, for your listening pleasure, your host, Kathy Lee Parker. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today with me, I have Scott Jeffrey Miller sitting with me. He's written many, many books out there on business, relationships, and all kinds of issues out there. But he also works for Franklin Covey, so we're going to learn a lot about him. And uh, um, Scott, welcome to my show. Hey, thank you for the invitation. Honored and delighted to be here. You're welcome. And tell me a little about... What was it like working with Franklin Covey, and and you've been there for like years? I've been there for a lot of years. I'm entering Kathy Lee, my uh, 25th year. I joined back in 1996. Thank you. I actually came from the Disney Company, born and raised in Central Florida, and I joined the Franklin Covey Company. Uh, gosh, you know, 25 years ago, when tutored under Dr. Covey, of course, the author of the seminal book. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective you People for about 15 him? years. No, no, no I way. tutored under him. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, what? Well, I don't okay. know. Stephen might have learned a couple of things. We had a good friendship right along the way, but I know I learned a tremendous amount from Dr. Covey and uh, spent 10 years on the sales side in the organization, lived in um, Europe for a while, Chicago for six years. Of course, we're based here in Salt Lake City. And then I spent eight years as the company's first and only uh, chief marketing officer, a member of the executive team, and now I serve as the executive vice president of thought leadership, still working for the CEO. I've published a couple of books in the last couple of years. I host our podcast, which is now the world's largest distributed, subscribed to leadership podcast. That's an honor. Um, okay. And along the way, I had an awesome experience, made lots of mistakes, and a couple of messes as well. Well, you're on another good station as well with BBS Radio and, and the Kathy Lee Parker Show because I have a huge listener listenership as well. And uh, th- that's wonderful that you did all that stuff for Franklin Covey. And they're wonderful. I remember them in the 80s getting those books and, you know, was honored with them. I, I really kind of a little bit miss that in some ways. Do you still carry those or, you know, the planners no. the when you open them up? Yeah, you know, we don't. We actually divested of that company about a decade ago. You know, at its peak, they were selling, you know, 40 million planners a year. Obviously, technology has disrupted that business, but that business does still exist. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people still using paper. I still use paper. I know, so so I love it. Although we're not in that business, it it does still exist. I know, as as old, uh, you know, baby boomers, you know, we're, we're, we still use that paper stuff. I, 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 I use both. Don't get me wrong, I do both, but I still have to write something down. So the new generation, <laughs> they do all the new stuff. <laughs> but tell me about this book. Now, you've written many books. Tell me about all the books that you've written so far. Well, so the first book I was privileged to write is called Management Mess to Leadership Success, 30 Challenges to Become the Leader You Would Follow. So I wrote this book, you know, two years ago, 23 years into my career as a leader, because I felt like, believe it or not, the book, the world's book world needed one more book. You know, the book world is not short of leadership books, as you know, you've read many of them, hundreds likely, but I felt yes. like it was missing a book that really told the truth about leadership, 
which is that not everyone should be a leader of people. I think too often the leadership industry perpetuates this idea that everybody is a leader of people. And I think it's true everyone has leadership capability in them, but I don't think everyone should be a leader, just like not everyone should be a radio host or an anesthesiologist or a commercial airline pilot. Right. That's I think true. as a result, too, I do. I, I think it's super um, accurate to describe too many people are lured into leadership roles, right? They're promoted as the top independent producer. Of course, they become the sales manager because they were the best sales producer. And then they often implode because their passions, their talents, what brings them joy, no longer is part of their day. So they end up either imploding or they quit or be, they're terminated for all, you know, reasons that are regrettable. I, so I want to – go ahead. Scott, I think that a lot of the when, – what you were just saying there is that a lot of people don't have the talent. To me, it's talent. You know, there's you take it's a special talent to be a leader. It's a special talent to be a manager. Yeah. Um, I hate to say this. I went into acting. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I thought, who does this? You know, I, I, I. It wasn't my talent, so I stepped away from that. I said, that's not me. And uh, and then there's some people, great public speakers. And then there's some that are lousy. Do you know what I'm saying? It takes a special talent. And the same thing with leadership. It's a special talent. Do you agree? I think you're exactly right. I think it's a, I think that it's a learned talent. But just mm-hmm. like I could probably well, yeah, you have become, to learn. Yeah, you have to learn. You have to learn. I mean, I could become a chemical engineer. You could become a neuroscientist. That might take a lot of effort. <laughs> but for me, it's not worth the investment for me to become a chemical engineer. My passions, my talents are elsewhere. So I wrote it because I wanted to give a voice to people who are struggling with leadership roles, that all of us have messes. I mean, the book is called Management Mess to Leadership Success. I think too often leadership books highlight what went well in everyone's career. And I wrote a book that said, you know what? Leadership isn't really what it's cracked up to be. It is unrelenting. It can be unrewarding. It's not for everyone, to your point. And I wanted people to know that as leaders, if you're going to choose to be a leader of people, there are 30 challenges you're going to face. And right. I drew those 30 challenges from all of Franklin Covey's experiences across the world for four decades. And I wrote pretty funny stories about how I had made lots of mistakes, how I had you know, created a lot of messes, a couple of successes. But you know, when you own your mess as a leader, it makes it safe for others to own theirs. Not wallow in them, not license bad behavior, but I think we learn most from our mistakes, more so than our successes. Yes. Yes. I always wanted to say that because I, I was thinking about that when I was going through your your you know, your know notes and stuff here in, in your book. And I thought, you know what? That is so true. I do make a lot of mistakes, but I remember those more than I yeah. do my success, you know? And other people are thinking, oh, look what you accomplished. Look what you've done. Da, da, da. And I'm like, uh-uh, really? I said, I'm just too worried about my mistakes. I don't repeat them. But then, you know, <laughs> and I see this book too. It's also for even if you're, well, you're leadership at home. A mother, a father is a leader. You know what I mean? You make mistakes. And this is really good for not just business, for personal home, you know, life. Do you know what I mean? It's a good I mean, book to read. And I'm so think. glad that you said that because most of the feedback I get is that this has helped people's marriage, their parenting skills, their <laughs> their association on a committee or at a mosque or a, a synagogue or a church. So at the end of the day, leadership's all about relationships, right? We right. know that 
this idea that people are an organization's most valuable asset, it's not true. It's absolutely not true. People are not an organization's most valuable asset. It is the relationships between those people that are every company's you know, ultimate competitive advantage. Because uh-huh. Kathy Lee can have a Black Belt Six Sigma certification, and Scott Miller can be a Rhodes Scholar from Oxford. But if Scott <laughs> and Kathy can't get along, we can't compliment each other, we can't forgive each other, we can't pre-forgive each right. other, then the company isn't better off. And I think the book really helps to understand how do you develop more effective relationships by often owning your mess. Uh-huh. Right. Right. So on the topic that we're just on, you know, who should read this book? You know, I think everybody should read it. Well, Even kids that's... in college to, yeah. you know, high school, just to learn to, to get along and to, uh, and, and also to, to become, a, you know, if you're heading that direction of leadership or, but leadership, wait a minute, let's get back a little bit. Scott, I want your opinion on this. Leadership can be just small or it can be big. Are you correct? Like a leader of, you know, the governor, the leader of the president of the United States, the leader of a small department store or a boutique. I think you're exactly right. I think we have leadership roles throughout our lives. I'm leading my three boys with my wife. I'm also helping to lead a major company, right? And like you, you have a, you're leading your listeners. So I think leadership is ubiquitous in our lives. It is different perhaps than leading people formally, right? If you are a manager or a leader of a team, you are a formal leader. In many cases, you are an informal leader. It might be in your family. It might be in your, on your block. It might be, like I mentioned before, at some religious organization, you may have an informal leadership role. Mm-hmm. Interesting. What about um, sports? Do you find that this would be really good for team players to read this book? I think so. You know, every author wants their book to be read by everybody, right? When I think really about yeah, who is yeah. the author, but the message the audience, that you're trying to get, yeah, yeah, who's the who's the author? Who's the reader for this book? It's really about people who are either in a formal leadership position, perhaps they're struggling with, or people who are aspiring to become a leader. You know, is this the right next step for me? Do I want to accept this promotion? Do I want to pursue this next career change? And to your point, I absolutely think people that are playing on teams, perhaps they're the team captain or they're the coach or they're the sponsor or the, the, the owner. Again, if it involves improving your relationships with people, then this book is going to be a great manual resource, resource tool because you're going to face these 30 challenges. I can talk more about those, but these 30 challenges are quite ubiquitous in all of our lives, whether it's in sports, whether it's in not-for-profits, government, private sector, public sector. It could also, too, be a reminder for those who are in such great leaders. You know, it's always nice to read, keep up on leadership uh, material so that <laughs> it keeps you sharp and reminds from you. From your oh, lips yeah. to their ears. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then also, too, um, what about... Um, I was a business owner, okay? But then before I became a business owner, I was a manager. You know, I had to work my way up. But um, And then I bought the company. That's a whole different world. A whole different world. And i like, gosh, I enjoy being a manager. But when I became owner, it was like, oh, my gosh, what did I walk into? 
It's what I mean. I wish there was something like this out there before, I mean, ahead of time. I, so wish, that I, I wish someone had written this book 20 years ago because yes, it would have definitely yes. helped my leadership career. And I would not have just been the CMO. I would have made it to be the CEO. And by the way, there's a big difference in compensation between the CMO and the CEO. I think you're right. I mean, I think, I think leaders are desperate for practical, tactical advice. What do I say? What do I do? How do I answer that? Because you're not supposed to have all the answers. I think that's a misnomer. I think my generation, perhaps I'm older than you, Kathleen, but in my generation, I was taught that leaders are always right, that there's a hierarchy, there's an implicit yes, respect, so I. that leaders are supposed to have all the answers, when in fact uh-huh. that's not true. Leaders are not supposed to have all the answers. Leaders are supposed to not be the geniuses in the room. They're supposed to be the genius makers of other people. They're supposed to have the vulnerability and the humility and the self-awareness to recognize my job isn't to have all the answers. My job is to recruit and retain the best possible talent, model high character, model high integrity, and make sure that I am clearing the path and nurturing the genius that sits around me. And I think that's a new paradigm of leadership that companies and leaders are learning or they will not retain the trust and respect and the talent of the new generation coming in. That's right. You nailed it right on the head. Can I hear an amen? I could, I, amen. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it right on the head. I mean, it's so true. It's so true. You know, I wish this book or this information was out there when I had a business. Because, man, when I walked for management – cushiony management i will never forget being a management is cushion compared to being an owner and uh and i own other companies and stuff and the same thing it's it's totally different big responsibility and um like you said yes we are um leader you know managing making um decisions for people you know it's making that decision and stuff. I think I think the, the big idea there that you've just said too is is vulnerability. Is you know it's okay to admit that you don't know everything about social media or Google Analytics or marketing automation right. or supply chain or or inventory turns or how to be a perfect you know calculator of cost of goods or or whatever that you know you don't have to be an expert in everything. And people, by the way, don't want to work for a know it all. They don't want to work for a person that has all the answers. You know, I, I, um, Karen Dillon, who endorsed the book, is the former editor of the Harvard Business Review. And she wow. co-authored a book with Clayton Christensen called Everyone – sorry, how, how Will You Measure Your Life? And in this book, Kathy Lee, she, she quotes a research study that says that 93% of all organizations – now listen carefully – 93% of all organizations that ended up achieving financial success as measured by their own terms – that 93% of companies and did so with what they called an emergent strategy versus a deliberate strategy, meaning what got them success was not the original strategy they set out with. And I think that really should be profoundly absorbed by your listeners today. That means that those leaders had to be humble. They had to be nimble. They had to be agile. They had to listen to better strategies. Well, this idea is not working. Who's got a better one? that only 7% of companies that achieved their financial goals or exceeded them did so with the original idea that probably what came up by 
the CEO or the founder or the entrepreneur. That, Uh in fact, all of them had to pivot differently, and I'll bet you that came from people around them saying, well, maybe we should try this, maybe we should try that. Now, of course, the opposite is true. You can't listen to everyone, right, because you'll have no strategy, and companies aren't democracies. But I do think it speaks to a leadership competency, which is this agility, vulnerability, and humility to admit when you don't have all the answers and really be in tuned to those around you that can coach you and guide you and sometimes even lead you. Oh, you said it right on the nail. You said that right on the nail. Where were you when I needed you 30 years ago? <laughs> that was I was in the company making major mistakes, saying stupid things, <laughs> on so the verge of getting fired, <laughs> and I managed to make it somehow. And Dr. Covey and others, you know, forgave me a lot and invested in me. And let me tell you, I uh, I didn't practice a lot of this early in my career because I didn't understand it. It wasn't being said to me in ways that were relatable. It was a lot of pontificating. and But I think the reason the book has done so well is because I try to talk simply. I try to say, you know what, here's it what is. I did. Here's what happened. Here's the stupid thing I did next or the idiotic thing I said next. And here was the consequence. So don't do that. Instead, do this. And I think that's why the book has, um, has, has sold so well. Well, Scott, hold that message. We're going to be right back after these messages. Having a brighter, whiter smile is important to you, even during the coronavirus crisis. Teeth whitening can be safe and convenient because at Pearly Whites, we come to you. Our technicians take all the recommended safety precautions, and you don't have to leave your home. Get all your family treated in one afternoon. It's safe and convenient and less expensive than a visit to the dentist. Pearly White's Mobile Teeth Whitening. Visit pearlywhitesfl.com to book an appointment today. There's a reason Summit County residents have been choosing Park City Mattress for 10 years. With Sini, Serta, Tempur-Pedic, and Stearns and Foster right here in Park City. And the lowest price guaranteed. Park City Mattress in Redstone Village at Kimball Junction. See us at pcmattress.com. I'm Sean Nielsen, professional parent recruiter with Rise Services Utah, and we have a unique opportunity to open your heart to children and adults with developmental challenges by becoming a respite foster care provider. Respite care providers are part-time and fill in where our full-time parents need time away from the child in their care. It's a great way to help those in need without committing to a full-time position. If you'd like more information about this wonderful opportunity, please contact me today at 801 676 8926. Sarah Yoga & Wellness offers online, live, and interactive yoga classes, including one-on-one classes, group classes, a 90-day awakening program, and a teacher training certification program. Sarah has over 20 years of experience and can help you make your spirit, mind, and body a priority in your life. Learn more at sarahyogaandwellness.com or call 801-390-2108. Do you know how much equity is in your home, condo, or townhome? Do you want to lower your rate and take cash out? We're Valorum Equity, and we make mortgages easier. Give us a call at 800-764-9072 or visit ValorumEquity.com to receive your free home assessment today. Trouble sleeping? 
The mattress you choose makes all the difference. How do you select from thousands? At Mattress Warehouse, we do things differently. We fit you to the right mattress that you will love for many years and get up to eight months on our comfort guarantee. That's how sure we are about getting you the best night's sleep. Visit MattressWarehouseUtah.com and download your free Mattress Buyer's Guide to help you select the right mattress at the best price. MattressWarehouseUtah.com Hey, this is Rocktop Construction. Rocktop is a family-owned business based out of Utah. We specialize in replacing worn or storm-damaged roofs and understand how to assist homeowners with property claims. For reliable service and the best value on a quality and energy-efficient roof, call Rocktop Construction at 801-567-1234. We have an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Again, that's 801-567-1234 to find out more about how we can protect your home. I'm Michael Torrance with Alpha Wealth Funds. I am a financial planner with over five years under my belt, and you need me. I work with everyone from residential to entrepreneurs to high-level C-suite executives. I help people create personal financial plans, estate plans, independent contractor plans, and publicly traded company retirement accounts. You can reach me at 435-658-1934. I am Michael Torrance with Alpha Wealth Funds. Thank you for tuning in. I'm sitting here with Scott Jeffrey Miller. He's the author of many books on business leaderships, but he's written one on management, best in leadership success, 30 challenges to become the leader you would follow. Jeffrey, tell me about um, what's the difference between your book compared to the other books out there? that are in leadership well, and management books. Yeah. Like I said before, there's no shortage of leadership books out. Right? I mean, there's thousands of them issued every year. Mine is, I think, very practical. It's raw. It's relatable. Uh, it's really a, not a confession, although I'm a Catholic, so it was easy for me to confess my messes in the book. But it was really a book that was, I think, it, it, I mean, it's kind of funny and even blushworthy at some point to say you said what and you did what. So for me, the difference is I didn't try to show you all the good things that I'd accomplished. And by the way, I have. I had a very successful career thanks to a lot of leaders that showed great patience and, and uh, uh, you know. Understanding. Yeah, understanding, right? But I really was very vulnerable, and I shared the things that I'd done wrong and then I give you a tip on how to avoid that, right? Don't step in that pothole. Avoid that problem. And I think the practicality of it is what separates it from a lot of the different leadership books. And then I have to give tribute to Franklin Covey. Because at the end of the day, although my stories are maybe engaging and funny and riotous, at the end of the day, the core of the book are these 30 challenges that are very specifically culled from 40 years of Franklin Covey teaching around the world. Literally tens of thousands of client engagements. And our research pulled to the top these 30 challenges that are also principles. So I wrote a story about each one of them. So I have to give great credit to the Franklin Covey Company and all the researchers and practitioners around the world. And the, the challenges themselves, what the meat of the book is. I just told, you know, all my mistakes and how to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Understanding. What, you know, what do you hope your readers will learn from your book? Besides. I think a couple of things. I think, yeah. 
Besides I relating first, to your mistakes. Besides well, relating to your mistakes. Yeah. You know, what well, they're <laughs> definitely going to do that. If, if, they, if they're self-aware or humble, they're going to find themselves in the book. Here's the first thing I hope people really take away from it is, is a leadership role right for you? And I, and I think we mentioned this before, Kathleen, but I think it's so important that people that are individual producers inside an organization, before you are offered a promotion, before you accept a promotion, or for that matter, for the people in human resources or for the founder or a leader, before you offer somebody else a role, be very thoughtful around, is this the right career track for me? Because I think in organizations, in my 30 years, I think too many people become leaders for the wrong reasons. It's the only path in the company to make more money. I have to become a manager or I can't get promoted. It's the only path to get a promotion or to earn a new title or to have any, any, any like formal influence or power. So I think there are too many times, countless times, when you've got these great individual producers, whether it be the most efficient dental hygienist or the most creative digital designer, or as I mentioned before, the top producing salesperson, is this the right path for you? I've just seen too many star employees, star individual producers get lured into a leadership position and then unbeknownst to them realize, oh my gosh, leadership is about having high courage conversations. Leadership is about hiring and firing people. Leadership is about holding people accountable. Leadership is about me modeling everything I want to see in my team members, which means I can't gossip anymore. I need to be on time to work. I need to be collaborative. I need to apologize when I've said something wrong over and over again. So I hope that people take a real appreciation for, do I want to be a leader or do I want to be a great individual contributor and not have to set the example for everything I do and have everybody else follow me? I think that's the big the big takeaway from the book. And then secondly, if then you're going to rise to that calling and accept that leadership role, then recognize that you're going to face these 30 challenges, most of them, if not all of them, and then be prepared to do them and succeed better than I did. Wow. Yes, that's understandable. Yeah. I noticed that uh, people, um, like, for example, a company, they have children, and they hope their children take over their company. And then there's, what if you just have one boy, and they're all girls, girls don't want to do it, they go off and get married, da 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 they move a different direction, and then the boy's stuck. He's like, I have to take over dad's company. I don't want to do it. I have no interest and what he's doing, and then the father gets upset. So what do you say about that? Tell me something about that. Well, I don't think that's a unique situation. I think you're exactly right. I think it happens a lot. Here's a, here'd be a couple bits of advice. I love this quote from one of our founders. Blaine Lee said, Nearly all, if not all, conflict in life comes from mismatched or unfulfilled expectations. I think it's prophetic. Nearly all, if not all, conflict in life comes from mismatched or unfulfilled expectations. So if an owner, say, say there's a mother and she's found a business and want to pass it down to her daughter, I think she should start very early in the, in the, in the, in the idea of generational transfer. You know, this is what I'm thinking of doing. What is it you want to do? Hun, daughter, what are your passions? What are your dreams? What are your talents? What legacy do you want? And and if the daughter's not clear, perhaps you can help her uncover it, discover it, create it, 
and perhaps there is an alignment with leading the company. I think a lot of a lot of where these generational leadership transfers get hooked up is the owner, the founder, the parent never asked the inheriting child, is this what you want to do? The child was either led into it, shamed into it, or wasn't given a choice. And then they get into it and realize, this isn't my passion. I'm not my father. I'm not my mother. Or in some cases, you see the opposite where the child takes over and does an even better job because the business is at a different phase. And perhaps the child wasn't the innovator, creator, upstart, but they're a much, much better operator, expander, or you know, um, uh, you know, even a revenue creator. So I think it's all about transparency, right? Have the conversation. Sit out and talk openly about it. This is what it means to be a company founder and owner. Is this what mm-hmm. you want to do? And if not, then let's call that out early on and then maybe find a different plan. I just think it all comes down to that principle of showing courage, having transparent conversations, moving outside your comfort zone, discussing the undiscussables. Because, you know, Dr. Covey used to say light is the best disinfectant, meaning when the lights come on, the roaches scatter, being a metaphor, right. hopefully, in our homes. And I think that's really good advice for any kind of conversation where you have mismatched or unfilled expectations. Just, you know, talk straight and, and, and show an equal balance of courage and diplomacy when you're having these really high-stakes conversations. Correct. And I think that, um, do you ever go to the schools and teach with your book, like high schools? I have. have, I've gone to a lot of colleges. And and interestingly enough, the content is really resonating in colleges and universities because you have a lot of non-traditional students. Or for that matter, even students that are, you know, in their late teens and 20s that are in management roles, right? They're managing a clothing store or they're managing a restaurant or some work crew somewhere. So it's been interesting how much it's been resonating with college students and college professors. I've not spoken on this to high school students because generally I think concepts may be a little bit of a stretch in terms of, you know, the application because a lot of them aren't formal leaders at least not in their careers. They may be on a football team or student council, but primarily I've kept it at the university level because that's where the demand has been. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And um, Scott, what is your view on leadership? What's your view on leadership? Well, Dr. Covey, again, you know, who he offered this book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And this book has sold, you know, 40 million copies, it's in its 30th year. I, I've learned a lot. So I'll, I'll quote Dr. Covey on a couple of things. Uh, my own idea is that leadership is kind of you know, the, the combination of really humility, courage, confidence, and vulnerability. And Dr. Covey taught me and many others that really leadership is the art of communicating to other people their worth and potential so clearly that they come to see it and believe it in themselves. And that had a profound impact to me. I'll say it more simply. I think if you're going to be a leader, you have to have the mindset, Kathy Lee, that your job is to achieve results with and through other people. That no longer are you saving the day, no longer are you rushing in and solving the problem, you're not the hero. Your job is to get work done with and through other people. And when you have that mindset, okay, so my job is to get results with and through others. That means I need to slow down. I need to be more patient. I need to coach. 
I need to, I need to role play. I need to build capacity, capability in other people. And if I don't, then I'll become a martyr. I'll become a victim. I'll end up doing all the work, and I don't respect anybody. And then a lot of people will subconsciously punish their teams because they're out living their lives, and I'm here sick at the office at 10 o'clock doing all the work. And so I think my, my, my vision of leadership is really around, are you building capabilities, confidences, skills, pollinating talents in other people so that they can take your organization to a new level, they can complement your own deficiencies? I, I'll say one other thing on that. I think when, you're, when, when you are achieving results with and through other people, you are intentionally creating a culture where the people who report to you respect you and respect you enough to give you coaching on your own blind spots. Because you often hear all these leaders complaining and bitching about their employees and if so-and-so would just do this and so-and-so would just do this, but they rarely have the self-awareness of like, gosh, what's it like to work for me? What's it like to have me as a leader? Because none of us are as great as we think we are. And so leadership really is about creating a culture where you make it safe for others to tell the truth. I tell leaders all the time I'm giving speeches. If your people are lying to you, that says nothing about them and everything about you because you have not made it safe for them to share bad news. You've not made it safe for them to admit mistakes. You've not created a culture where it is safe to take calibrated risks. People are so fearful of how you'll respond or you're cursing your screaming or your temper or your belittlement. Why would anybody surface um, anything other than great news? So I think there's lots of ways to define leadership, but if you're a leader, you're getting feedback from people. You're soliciting it. You're setting a culture where it's safe to come up and say, Scott, can I tell you, that presentation sucked. You had way too many PowerPoint slides. You talked nonstop. You never answered any of the questions. I mean, that's leadership, where you create a culture where you're employed. People who uh-huh. report to you are, are in a gracious way. They feel safe telling you what you did well and what you didn't do well because somehow leaders get to be leaders. They think they've got it all figured out. Oh, my gosh, you've just started your journey. Mm-hmm. I talked way too long it's- there. I'm passionate about the topic. No, no, no. It's very educational and it needs to be heard because you're hitting everything right on the head. It's like... Wake up, you know, this is how it's, you know, done or this is how it should be done. And um, if you're not a leader, then it's okay. It's okay to, to be a good manager. Oh, there's managers out there that are just wonderful, you know, and there's those who um, are good assistants and so on and so on. They don't need to be this, you know, to get a better raise, you'll get a good raise. You'll get a raise for the good work that you do. That's how I believe, you know, that you should get a raise for the good work that you do, not, you know, have to, you know, get the, um, or go to school. There's education. Become a good manager. Can I share one more thought about that with you? Pardon me? Can Can I share another thought about that with you? Yes. Yes, please do. Yeah. I think I think we we tend to use these words interchangeably, management and leadership, right? I've heard right. I've heard management as management is working in the system, leadership is working on the system. You know, management is operations and tactics, and leadership is culture and people. No matter how you describe it, 
there are a lot of managers out there that could be better leaders. And quite frankly, there are some leaders out there that could be better managers. I know a lot of leaders that are great at giving great speeches and pumping you up and having big ideas, but they can't actually get anything done, right? They're just visionaries. They're, they're, they're charismatic communicators, but they actually can't get anything done. I think managers get stuff done. So I don't think one is a, is a better or worse word than the other. I think the, the ultimate would be know when to manage and know when to lead. And let me expand on that. I think regardless of whether you are you know, in a management paradigm or a leadership paradigm, they share something in common. And this is the common bridge. I mentioned earlier, Kathy Lee, that Dr. Covey wrote this book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. 40 million that. copies sold. And I'm often in interviews with, with, with television hosts or webcast hosts or podcast hosts. They, 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 they mistakenly refer to the book as The Seven Habits of Highly Efficient people. They do it accidentally, but the words sound similar. But let me reiterate, and I think this is a profound leadership takeaway. This is a profound relationship takeaway. Dr. Covey wrote the book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He named it that on purpose, because there is a difference between being efficient and being effective. In fact, you could argue there are two mindsets, right? There is an efficient mindset, and then there is an effective mindset. And I write about this in the book because I spent most of my life, I'm 52, I got married late in life, I was 41 when I got married, and I have been a very efficient person. All my life I've been super productive, I get a ton of things done, you know, like you, I have a podcast and a radio program and I host, you know, stuff in the company and write books and ink columns. So I'm a very productive person. It is why I've achieved the success I have had. I'm that annoying neighbor, Kathleen, on Saturday mornings, I get up at 5 o'clock, and my car's washed by 6, my yard's raked by 8, my yard's mowed by 9, and I'm ready to start my day by 9.30, right? I get a lot of stuff done. Mm -hmm. The problem is that efficiency, that efficiency mindset that has been so helpful in my success, I have transitioned it over into my relationships, and you cannot be efficient with people. You can only be effective with people. So to your listeners, you uh -huh. so we're on the same page, right? So your, your listeners uh -huh. right now maybe are having an aha. I'm not telling you stop making your list. I'm not telling you don't be, don't be productive. No, do that in spades, but ask yourself in any situation, is this the time to be efficient or is it a time to be effective? And let me tell you when you know. In almost every situation when it involves people, when it involves a relationship, you need to slow down and be effective. You need to turn off your phone, take off your Apple Watch, close your laptop, take off your glasses, and check in. Because one of the most famous things that Dr. Covey said was with people, fast is slow, and slow is fast. And I think that's a major learning around whether you're a parent, you're a neighbor, you're a boyfriend, you're a colleague, you're an employee, you're a leader, you're a founder, entrepreneur, you're whatever you are, when should you be effective, which is stuff like on projects, right? Taking out the garbage, washing your car, posting on social media, maybe sending an email. But rarely, if ever, 
is being efficient with people in a meeting, on a Zoom call, on a conference call, with your mother on your Sunday night call, your grandmother, rarely is being efficient the right thing to do when it comes to a relationship. You know what? He's also That's good on a relationship, but it's also good if you're a single person, if you become a workaholic. You got, I learned this from Stephen, from Covey, too, that um, um, you've got to shut that door and go like you know you know you know this he has on his above his door you work hard and play hard you see yeah. that yeah. you know and it's yeah. true and what you're saying is you're hitting it right on the nail you're hitting i'm sure he's very pleased with what you're saying but, but well, thank you <laughs> you have to you have to really got to shut the door and stop it's almost like stop and then go do something, especially when you're saying go for a hike, you know, like you said, leave your cell phone, leave everything. go for an hour, two hour hike, enjoy the mountains, get out there, go skiing, go to the beach, you know, go do something. And then when you come back to your work and become a good leader, a good manager, it fills in. It's I can't explain it. It's and he's he's right. I was becoming a a workaholic really bad until somebody um, sent me those seven habits. So <laughs> I I saw myself and I went to one of his meetings and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's talking about me. So right, right, been, right. you know, and I, I I hear the same thing that you're talking. Like he would like you to talk. Especially with this um, book that you've written, it's fantastic, and it's exactly you're hitting things right on the nail. That we need to either, you know, like you said, fast is slow, and slow is fast. And easier for us to discuss it on the phone, right? It's easier said than done. So right. I have had to really, really struggle. You have to work at it. And here's a great example. Okay. Um, I have three boys. They're six, eight, and ten. And I, I wasn't one of those people that was meant to be a father, right? I don't think it was my calling. I'm trying my best. It's not my natural talent. Uh, I, live in, I live in Salt Lake City. I used to live in Park City, Utah. And for those listeners that have been to Utah, you know, it's about a 30-mile difference. I moved down uh-huh. to Salt Lake because my, my boys go to a school that's in Salt Lake City. And we happened to move it by the Capitol, which is very near a very famous ice cream parlor. It's called Hatch Chocolates. And oh, I, I always want to go to Hatch Chocolates all the time. And uh-huh. so whenever we go to Hatch Chocolates, I'm always sort of rushing them in and rushing them out to get back and check my social media or write my column. And this summer earlier, I kind of had this epiphany. I just realized this shouldn't take as fast as possible. This should take as long as possible. These are my three boys, and we're going to ice cream in the summertime in the middle of a pandemic, right? This is my chance to build a relationship and laugh with them and giggle and instead you know i'm frustrated that my youngest is turning his ice cream cone upside down and it's falling and i'm irritated who cares it was a dollar right buy him a new ice cream cone i really (laughs) struggle with integrating this into my life because i'm such an efficient person so for anybody who's listening and your huge audience i kind of implore you don't shame yourself don't don't regret what you haven't done right but today think about okay all right, my efficiency is a strength. I'm proud of that. It's gotten me where I am. How do I moderate that? Because people like me that are very efficient, we make other people anxious, right? We're kind of always moving things forward. We're ready to go to the next meeting. We're moving things on. And 
we don't always realize that how that projects to other people. And so I'm really trying to be more mindful in my relationships, in my phone calls, my Zoom calls, at the dinner table, at the ice cream parlor, if it involves people and trying to slow down. Mm-hmm. And it's hard That's for true. me. It's hard for you. I can tell. It is hard for I think you're doing a good job. I, I think I'm you're doing not. A good job. I actually suck at this one. I, my, my wife told me recently that a couple of years ago, her mother, my mother-in-law, who I have a very good relationship with, we were at dinner, and her mom was going to order dinner and order dessert. And I made some asinine comment like, oh, we don't need dessert. And I called for the check. And I'm like, this is my mother-in-law. What am I doing shutting her down? And she wants a piece of pie. Let her have a piece of pie. And I think uh-huh. I did it so naturally and so subconsciously that I'm just horrified now that I was so immature in my relationship with her that I, she still remembers, apparently, me shutting her down and wanting her piece of pie. Not good advice when it comes to courting the favor of your mother-in-law. <laughs> Oh, but you learn that and you remember that. Now, um, how do does your um, readers apply to the 30 leadership challenges? How are they applying to that? How, what do you think? Well, I think all the challenges are a bit differently, right? The 30 challenges are organized, Kathy Lee, into three different tranches. The first, I don't okay. know, about eight or so are all about leading yourself. The next 12 are kind of around leading others. And the last, I don't know, 10 or so are about getting results. So, for example, you know, one of the first challenges is around listening. In fact, challenge three is called listen first. And I talk a lot about how to be a better listener, how to stop interrupting, how to move off of your own agenda, your own timeline, your own narrative, because most of us listen with the intent to respond not to understand. So that's very easy to grasp. It's a little bit more difficult to, to implement. But I, 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 for example, a very practical challenge, challenge number three is listen first. You know, another challenge in the middle group is called challenge 19, protect your team from urgencies. I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but Kathleen, I do my best work under pressure. Do you? Yeah. Yes, I, I do. I do. I do my best work with a deadline, I love, I love a crisis. And if one doesn't exist, I'll cook one up. I mean, I've been known <laughs> to elevate. I thought I was the only one level. that did that. I was no, the because one. you're because you're human, right? I mean, we get the dopamine, the adrenaline. We get the. We also get the motivation of saving the day and rescuing and fixing stuff. And leaders need to protect their team from this urgency culture. And sometimes that means you have to protect your team from yourself. Because for those of us who are leaders that get great validation from doing stuff in a crisis and an urgency, we'll make everything important. Everything is a crisis. Everything is urgent. And the team implodes and they don't respect you because everything has to be done right now. So you can see just some self-awareness around recognizing do you love crises is pretty easy to you know, actually implement. Let me give you a last one. Uh, okay. Challenge 28. Actually, you know, okay. I'll use challenge 21. Challenge 21 I mentioned earlier is, is called allow others to be smart. 
I think for those of us yes. that become leaders. That is so true. I used to believe in that. I Yeah, that's so true. That's Okay, go on, go on. I'm no, you're, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear that because we can believe in it, and it's also got to come out in our behaviors, right? It's because when I was the chief marketing officer, I, for whatever reason, felt like I needed to be the most creative, have the best ideas, be the best, well-read, when the fact is I'd created a culture where best idea wins as long as it's Scott's idea. And so I have matured some into realizing that my job is to allow other people to be smart too, because their idea could be just as good as mine. Might even be better. Okay. And if I show mm-hmm. some humility, then other people can shine out from under me. And that's been a difficult one for me, allow others to be smart. And I love this question that I mentioned earlier. If you're a leader, go back tomorrow to your team and ask them, what's it like to work on a project with me? What's it like to go to a trade show with me? What's it like... Mm-hmm to be in a conference call with me. You'll learn so much about what it's like to be in a professional relationship. For that matter, tonight, after this program, go home and ask your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your partner, what's it like to be Mm -hmm. married to me? Go ask your roommate, what's it like to live with me? Go ask your neighbor, what's it like to have me as a neighbor? You will learn so much about what it's like to be, live with, be a partner, work for Kathy Lee Parker. And I, when I ask that question, you got to gird your loins, right? Because if you don't want the truth, they don't ask. But what if You'll some people are negative? They're always negative. Or they're always trying well, to find people, fault in somebody. Yeah, some people will be negative because some feedback comes from jealousy, right? Some feedback is more about them than it is about you. A lot of feedback is about jealousy. So balance who you ask, right? Go think, who are my supporters? Who do I really trust that likes me? Go ask them. And then go ask a couple people who don't like you. Go ask some of your detractors and then see what they say. And then at the end of the day, decide what's helpful, what's not helpful, and then balance it out. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then don't take it too personal, right? But just take it as a learning experience. Absolutely. Because some people get yeah, hurt. Easier like, said oh, than done. But the more yeah. feedback you get, the more you'll, the less you'll take it personal and the more you can kind of you know, sieve through what's really valuable. Right. And then you can know what you can work on. Okay. We're getting flagged down. Tell me, I know you got um, um, some other um, books coming out. I do. So can you give me, yeah, can you give me, um, you got what, two more books coming out or? Yeah, sure. Sure. So the first book was Management Mess Leadership Success. The second book that I co-authored was called Everyone Deserves a Great Manager. And then because the mess book did so well, I have a whole series of books on that topic coming out. So coming out in 2021 is is Marketing Mess to Brand Uh Success. And the next is Job Mess to Career Success. And then following that will be Communication Mess to Influence Success. And then Parenting Mess to Launch Success. So there will be about nine Mess of Success books out in the next seven years. Wow. Wow. I And I'm going to bring you back if you would like that. Would honored. you like to come back I'd on my show? <laughs> and I And I want to listen to your podcast as well. You've got a podcast out there. And um, it's honored when another host wants to come on my show. It really is. I, well, I'm I like, am wow. Honored. 
they tickle that I'm tickled pink with that. And um, but I did um, follow you with your the this last book that you have, and uh, um, we're going to close now. And uh, tell me anything, website, anything that you want them to go to to purchase your, you know, this book that you were talking about, the um, management mess to leadership success. Sure. So you so can, can, they find can follow me on LinkedIn. Love to have you follow me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. You also can Google Scott Miller at Franklin Covey and learn about me in the Franklin Covey company. So as my wife says, Kathy Lee, it's kind of hard not to find me these days. And that wasn't a compliment. She paid me. <laughs> Scott Jeffrey Miller. Scott Jeffrey Miller. And he's with Franklin Covey. It's easy to find him. Yeah, you're all over Google, but, you know, that, I usually find a lot of my people that way. But anyway, I want to thank you so much for coming on my show, Scott. Thank you. And uh, I will bring you back. So when's well, your next I book coming out? I would be honored. Out? I would be honored. Is it coming out in January, real quickly? It, um, your last so Marketing Mess is coming out in May, but I do have another book I didn't tell you about. I have a book called Master Mentors from HarperCollins. That book's coming out in February. And that's the collection Ooh, of 40, 40 of our most transformative minds. So that would be a fun book also, Master Mentors. Okay. Okay. We'll be talking soon. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Scott Miller, for coming on, and you have a great evening. And i like to thank my um, sponsors. Thank you very much for coming on under Primetime Media. And I'd like to thank BBS Radio for sponsoring my show. So thank you so much. And thank you for listening in. Have a great evening.